Are you a senior level executive with a growth mindset, ready to grasp the new opportunities and solve the issues that are holding you back? If so, welcome to our podcast, Into the C-Suite with Jim Casino, founder and CEO of C-Suite Advisors. With personal experience as a CEO of more than 10 companies and 15 boards of directors, Jim shares his insights into optimal leadership philosophies, practices, and ways to accelerate growth and elevate your company value. Now, onto the show. We are ready for a look into the C-suite with your host, Jim Casino. Jim is the founder and CEO of C-suite Advisors, a boutique management consultancy that taps the expertise of highly experienced senior consultants who know the C-suite inside and out. That's because they've lived there. Their best-in-class advice helps early stage and middle market companies capture their biggest opportunities, solve their toughest challenges, and thrive. Jim's guest this episode is Dave Bisbee, and he has a lot to share in this discussion of conversations from the 19th hole. All right, Jim, tell us about Dave and this topic. Thanks so much, Patrice. It's always great being with you, and I appreciate your introductions always. I am really excited about this introductory podcast of conversations beyond the or from the 19th hole and our special guest to tell us all about it. Those of you who are golfers, you know that the 19th hole is where all the stories are told, the triumphs are recanted, and the relationships are cemented from a round of golf. This new podcast series is all about golf as an amazingly valuable business development tool with often higher ROIs than other more traditional efforts. Our guest today is, as you said, Dave Bisbee, a longtime golf industry veteran, renowned golf instructor, an in-demand speaker, and best-selling author of the book, Back on Course, which addresses the power of business building through golf. It's been described as a peek behind the curtain of how deals get done on the golf course. In addition, Dave is the general manager and director of golf at the very private and very prestigious Seven Canyons Golf Club in Sedona, Arizona. He's also a senior advisor and spokesperson for Pure One Golf, and Encore Golf. Welcome into the C-Suite, Dave. It's great to have you with us today. Well, Jim, Let's... thank you for that. That was awesome. Uh, I, I'm, I'm really excited to be here. Well, we're, we're just delighted to have you. And let's get started by hearing a bit about your background, how you became, by many uh, standards, the authority on business golf. How did the book Back on Course come about? Well, I always like to to, to tell business people I'm, I'm probably not the guy you would have thought would write a book about business and golf because I, I usually use the excuse that golf has given me the opportunity to not have a real job my entire life. <laughs> so I always feel like a bit of a fraud when I'm talking to business people about this. But the book really came about from my coaching experience. Uh, I, I did uh, golf schools for 15 years uh, mm -hmm. where you would have people come for a five or a seven day uh, really immersive golf school. And one of the things that I started to notice that was that the people who were attending these schools tended to also be pretty high achieving executives. Uh, and which, which led me into uh, starting to do some schools where 
under the under the the guise that it was an executive golf school, yep. uh, started to partner with some uh, some consultants who were really doing the hard work of of helping businesses, you know, either grow a team team build or or just build a culture, which is uh, is what led me to meeting Connie Charles, who is the co-author uh, with me on the book. Uh, and we, when we came together, it was kind of like peanut butter and jelly. It was just a great combination. And we, we saw such a need to, to really help business executives take advantage of the game to grow either their, either to their career or to grow their business. Well, that's interesting, but actually I sort of skipped one of the more important questions to get started with. Because how how did you actually ultimately get there? Tell us a little bit about your origin in golf. Did you start as a young man, or or were you a you know a baby when you picked up your first club? Well, I, I can tell you, I started early enough in life that I have no recollection of never playing. Really? I I have pictures when I was three years old. The pro at our local course had. I cut down a club. My mother was a very good amateur golfer. Mm -hmm. And for her to be able to practice, she had to drag me along and then keep me occupied so she could get her practice done. Uh, and I, I just, I picked it up. I started swinging a club, hitting a ball. Uh, by the time I was six years old, I had the opportunity to meet Arnold Palmer. Really? Yeah, came to our, our hometown from Hutchinson, Kansas, and Prairie Dunes is a very famous uh, golf course there. Uh, he came out with then a uh, amateur, Jack Nicholas, and they did a, uh, a, a exhibition match. And I, re I remember uh, meeting him and thinking he was the coolest human being on the planet. Uh, and. I decided right then that that is what I wanted to do. I wanted to be a golf pro. Oh, that's a great story. That's really fun. Uh, I had the pleasure of being at a Jim Nance, Arnold Palmer recognition event, Hall of Fame uh, event. And, and he really is a fascinating guy. Uh, I can't imagine having met him so early in your life. It must have been transformative in terms of your own decision making and things. So yeah. then fast forward from an age you don't even remember, not having a golf club in your hand, to fast forward to today and the work you and, and Connie have done about business and golf and learning how to use this as a tool to help grow business. I, I just have a general question for you to start kind of moving into this a little deeper. Should companies really allow or even encourage, perhaps, their executives and business development people uh, to learn golf and use it as a business development tool? Well, of course, I'm going to be a little biased on that. I think it, sh it should be essential for absolutely. Uh, when you think uh, business is all about relationships, right? And the old adage is it's not what you know, it's who you know. Mm -hmm. Yep. I think I take that a step further. It's not just who you know, it's how well you know them. And golf just gives you such an opportunity to build really strong relationships. And, and it's a way to meet people. It's a way to network. And I, I think it should be an essential part, any company that's looking to grow. 
Oh, that's fascinating. So in a way, with the data and statistics that you've studied over these many years, you've, I gather, don't want to put words in your mouth, but I gather you have concluded that executives really can justify the investments that they make in golf with clients or with prospects or even with their fellow employees. Uh, they can justify that to skeptical bosses or even shareholders. Well, yes, I, I think that, you know, if you look at some of the interviews uh, in our book, those are, and, and it's a it's a pretty diverse group of executives where golf has played a essential role in their development and in, in terms of with a company and with their career paths. And I think if you if you look out um, at the, uh, the the professional tours and 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 that you see companies that pay a fairly significant amount of money to be associated with those terms. Well, that's true. In in terms of sponsorships, you mean exactly. And the sponsorship isn't just so they can get their name out there and then for marketing things. At those events, they the smart ones actually use those events to either strike new relationships, deepen existing relationships, and, and gives them a, uh, a real business edge against those who don't. It must, because when you think about it, the uh, I don't frankly know what the sponsorship costs are to do a major event, but I imagine they're not insignificant. Uh, oh, and, yeah. and so those companies have in some way or another determined that there's a good ROI. Do you have any data on the return on investment that those sponsoring companies or those who, who actively support the sport uh, as a business building tool, what they experience? Well, yeah, I, again, I, I, I delineate these with um, those who are smart about it. They, they go into it with an absolute strategy. And uh, it isn't all about just that week that the tournament's in town. Uh, it is, it's about the entire year and that whole season building up to that, that tournament. And I, you know, I, I don't have exact numbers, but I, I know that um, it, it, take American Express, okay. uh, for example, they figure that they, they get somewhere between five and seven times what, what they pay in sponsorship in activations. Is that um, right? Five to yeah. seven X. Yeah. Well, that's certainly a good investment. You know, yeah. there's, a, there's an old adage in marketing, half the money you spend, you're wasting. You just don't know which half, but if, <laughs> but if uh, a company yeah. like American express, which is very sophisticated has done the analytics on it and says it's a five to seven X yield on their investment. That's pretty extraordinary. I also want to comment on your earlier comment that the uh it's not just a one single event activity it's a it's a whole plan it's a whole longitudinal plan to use golf successfully to build their business and to to yield more so for those who aren't the american express size most of the the ceos that listen to the, our podcast are more closer in the middle market for yep. for the smaller companies out there how might they, in you know, maybe get a three x return on their investment or a four x return, which is still worthy of their investment? Sure. Uh, any ideas on those smaller companies how they could get started? 
Well, and I think if you look at uh, our hometown tournament, right, the yeah. Waste Management Phoenix Open, probably the most successful, they, they call it the greatest show on grass, but it's probably the most successful fundraising for charities and the most successful corporate village, corporate sponsorship tournament on the tour. And there are a lot of those smaller mid-market type companies who who have a you know a corporate tent, a corporate awareness there at the at the event, and the ones who again look at it in a in a long range way, they're not just before that tournament gets there, uh, they have probably identified some key prospects that they're going to invite, and they they can get them into places in the tournament that they couldn't get in otherwise. And, and they get to spend, if you go out there to that tournament, you know, you can spend eight hours uh, watching golf. And I, I don't know of another way that you could get decision makers, the right kinds of people uh, and capture them for eight hours to, yeah, to be true. able to um, have a shared experience uh, and really um, build a great relationship. So I think that's that's it. In in a in a sense, is that you target your key people, the key uh, customers, the, the the key people you're after, and you be, you begin to court them early on. Uh, and then once the tournament leaves town, you know that it's, it's a lot of times when they leave town, there's just there's a hangover that's left. But um, once they leave town, it's then you've got a really open door to be able to walk back in and and solidify uh, that relationship. No, that's that makes perfect sense. You know, so when we zero down to the smaller companies and we think about the individual, let's say a CEO or in the C-suite who's trying to build business relationships or even the biz dev guy who's mm-hmm. trying to secure a new client. What does it take to be successful playing business golf? And in that regard, is a low handicap necessary or needed even? Well, I, I, I even coined a little phrase that we, we call it the business golf handicap. The business golf handicap. Tell me about that. Yeah. I, that was written up in the book, I know. Yeah. Tell me a little bit and, about that. <clears throat> well, it, it's it's you don't have to be uh, a skilled golfer to be effective at playing business golf. You just have to be a skilled uh, scratch handicap at business golf. And that that means knowing when to pick up, knowing how to manage the day uh, with with the, the people that you're playing with. And it and you know handicapping for for uh, amateur golfers is a way of leveling the playing field for them right. so they can compete. Yep. Kind of the same thing with with business golf. I always tell people that the things that people have to watch out for. Everybody is is you know they love to have a a membership at a at a high end country club that might be a very difficult golf course, and they bring somebody out to play that golf course who isn't very good. Is not good they, at golf, uh huh. <laughs> yeah, they can very well be um, associated with that person's worst golf experience ever and you don't want to do that that would not be a winning formula then i guess right so (laughs) i just tell i tell golfers that you know it it certainly does not hurt to be skilled you know you should 
practice and work at it a little bit, but it, it's not a requisite for being a, a an effective business golfer. So what I'm hearing is my guess, and tell me if this is accurate, that a business development person who's trying to bring his client out and have four to five hours private time to build a relationship yep. with that person and get to know that person and have that person get to know them, that there really is a benefit for having a very high EQ, a sensitivity, Absolutely. a knowledge of who this person is, because in essence, you're you're doing an event planning exercise. You're You're trying to find the perfect way to make it pleasurable, successful, happy, and rewarding so that you are in fact building relationship. Is that yeah. an overly simplistic or inaccurate way to describe it? No, I, it's very accurate. I think that it, it, I call it, you know, mastering the five hour meeting. That that day on the golf course um, the, and the mistakes that I've seen people make, it don't arrive late. You know, don't be, don't be late to your own meeting, right? Yeah. You arrive late, the, the, somebody, that, that, that business client is there, they're, they're lost, they're looking around trying to find, uh, you know, somebody to tell them where to go. You need to do a little research on the front end, understand what their skill level is, uh, okay. maybe what their actual golf handicap might be. Find out what kind of golf balls they, they use. Really? Uh, be, absolutely. You want to have, you want to show up there with uh, a sleeve or two of their golf ball, whatever it is that they play um in the cart with them you want the you want the outside service staff to be working like your assistants would be at the office really shepherding that person around making sure that they're taken care of uh and all um and then you know managing that four hours on the golf course uh you, you don't try to sell them on the first or second hole you've got 18 hmm. holes to be to to really get to know this person and and all um and you just have to be a master at pacing all of that and saving something for the 19th hole. Oh, for the 19th hole. Tell me about the 19th hole, because I know this whole series is conversations from the 19th hole. What what would be the strategy on the 19th hole, which is when you're at the bar or in the uh, cafeteria, so to speak, right. uh, with a hamburger or a hot dog after the round? What do you try and do then? Well, that that's where you really set up whatever the next steps are going to be okay you know you can kind of you can kind of have a little bit of a, uh, a time to, to reminisce about the round that you just played and how much uh, what a great experience it was and and at all and and really be able to set up those next steps um and i i think you know at 19 told very often if you've done the correct things during that the course of that round uh the 19th hole is probably the most important one Hmm. Oh, that's interesting. Because that's the wrap on the whole day, the four hour round and then a half hour to hour sitting in the bar and having a cocktail or an Arnold Palmer, baby, exactly uh, before right. you head out from there. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Uh, so when you're talking about a business golf handicap, there there comes into play there. How well do you try and press? Do you try and win the round? Do you not win the round? How aggressive might you be? How competitive do you want to show up? Uh, is that all, I gather, an assessment of who you're playing with? It really is. And, and that, that is the, uh, the word right there, assessment. Um, you know, I, I, tell, I tell people that 
you you can begin to assess uh, who you're playing with by uh, one, how did they arrive? You know, how did they how did they arrive to the to the golf course? Uh, were they peeling in the parking lot with no time to to uh, uh, warm up and and just ready to grab you know, jump on the cart and go? Uh, yep. Or did they show up a little early? Uh, Want to kind of get a, a you know a feel for the place? Um, I tell them look in their golf bag. Uh, hmm. Golf bag. The golf bag is is reading the tea leaves. Really, um, you can look in a in a golf bag and see that if it's somebody who um, has maybe not the newest um, equipment, but it's very high end equipment. Yep. Um, and uh, you can tell they, you know, they have taken care of it. Then, then you know you're 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 with somebody that it's going to be about trust. It's about building trust with this the, this person. Because um, the golf clubs kind of tell you they built trust yeah. with that particular brand and that you particular bet. iron. Interesting. Yeah, I'll, I'll ask people all the time. I'll see that you know, Ping is a is is one of our one of the big manufacturers, and I'll. I'll notice the uh, uh, the set in their bag, and and it might be a couple of generations old. Mm-hmm. And I'll just ask them, you know, how how often do you change your clubs? Well, you know, I really like these. I've I've been a longtime ping golf player, and all it uh, it tells you something about them. If you've yeah. got the guy, if it, in his bag, there's a slot for every club. Every club is in that slot. Uh, yep. and he's got the iron covers and the whole thing and the bag is all meticulously set up. You know, you're dealing with somebody where details matter. Um, and, and, you know, you need to be um, filling in all the details. For them. <laughs> well, what is a, what does a bag with all zany head covers tell you about them? So that might tell you that it's somebody that's there that it needs to be a good time, right? It you need is to a good time. Okay. Yep. Yeah. You need to keep it light. Uh, I always, uh, I always say, I, I, I would, I would never uh, tell someone to uh, set up a bet on the uh, on the first tee. Uh, but if you're, if the person you're playing with says, you know, you, should we play for a little something? Yeah, absolutely. Then you know you've got somebody that's competitive, uh, yep. and they're and they're going to be judging your performance on how hard you try to uh, to beat them. Oh. That's really fascinating. So a lot of psychology goes into having a uh, a business golf handicap that's really respectable. Yes. Yeah. There yeah. is. Yeah. Fascinating. It's not just about the sport and about your athletic prowess, but really reading your prospect and making judgments and decisions to make it a joyful, memorable experience. Because your real objective yeah. then is not to win the round in the lowest score, but is to win the round in an advanced relationship. Would exactly that be fair to say? Right. That is absolutely spot on there, Jim. The other thing you mentioned to me when we chatted a couple of weeks ago about business golf, which I really loved, was you described it as a relationship-oriented sale versus a transactionally-oriented sale. And so yeah. often when, let's call business development people or CEOs or whatever, trying to trying to get in and sell their product, they convert really to features, functions, benefits, rather than the relationship that undergirds the whole deal. Yes. And that, that's one of the things I really love about the uh, the back on course stories. Let me ask you uh, another real quick question. 
since there is so much psychology and understanding and doing an assessment of who your your person that you're inviting on the course is and what they would find uh, enjoyable, how I know Connie has been very actively a part of that process mm. of business. Yeah. Can you tell us just a little bit about that as well? Well, yeah, I, the uh, when Connie and I first came together, um, I, I was doing golf schools. She was doing um, business development and corporate consulting. Yep. Uh, she used an instrument that was called the Berkman. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's really an assessment tool uh, for lack of a better uh, um, description, you know, personality profiles. Yep. And um, what was really interesting about it, when I took my profile, uh, it was how accurate it was, how authentic it was to me, and then how I could take that and uh, relate it to me as a golfer. Uh, and it, we really kind of hit on something where uh, it was these an assessment like that, um, you know, it, it's, it's only valuable um, when it's used. Uh, and when, uh, when I started looking at how, how people, what made each individual unique, that's where I started kind of coming up with the idea of you could look in a golf bag and really kind of tell something about someone's personality. Yeah. Um, and companies tend to use assessment tools all the time in creating organizational culture and, and, and all of that. Um, they typically only use that, though, at the front end when you're coming in and at the tail end when you're leaving. <laughs> the rest of the time that kind of goes in a file cabinet, you know, and at the end of the. Yeah. The, yeah. Somebody. So true. Uh, yeah. Part of the exit interview is looking at that and saying, oh, I guess I could have seen that coming. But, um, the, you know, the idea of being able to assess someone's behaviors um, the, the golf course really lays those things bare. That was that was one of the unique things that Connie and I discovered. Uh, there there is there is something to be said for watching someone lose their cool on the golf course. It really tells you what it is they need to get back into their most productive behaviors, mm. and it's just an interesting thing to watch because all of us do except maybe, you know, some of those pros when they're in the zone, they don't ever have a, a, a bad uh, reaction. Yeah. Uh, but, but it is, it's every round of golf gives us these opportunities to deal with uh, some kind of uh, controversy, a bad bounce, a bad shot. Uh, yeah. And it's how we react to those things that really tell people a lot about what's inside us. So another way to describe what you said as it relates to business golf is watch your own behaviors when you're on the golf course with the prospect or, or someone you're trying to build a relationship with, because that tells a lot about you, just like you're learning a lot about them. It could For be, sure. yeah. it could actually be quite a disadvantage if Absolutely. your outburst is just unjustified or over the top, I suppose. Yeah, because you know, it, it gives them a window into what you might do in a in a business in a tough situation. Situation, yeah. yeah, yeah, good point. You know, I really consider you a holistic golf professional, Dave, and by that I mean you're thinking of golf at the fifty thousand foot level. I've seen this over and over again with you, and it's so impressive that you develop all sides of the sport, or you look at all sides of the sport. You know, the mind, the body, 
uh, and even, you know, the business implications of golf and how it can really drive a gosh, like the American Express result uh, of a great mm -hmm. uh, multiple of, of their investment. But but what about the tools? I mentioned in my introduction that you are a senior advisor to Pure One Golf, which produces a game improvement tool I know you're familiar with. Can you tell me a bit about that and how it fits into this holistic commitment to the game? Well, yes. Um, and in fact, Jim, I, I, I think you introduced me to, to the Pure One Club. Um, uh, and, and it is a, it's a training club. Mm -hmm. But when I first heard about it and uh, the, the team brought it up here for me to, to have a little experience with and, and, and give, give some feedback, um, I thought it was one of the most effective training aids I'd ever seen. Mm -hmm. um, and it, it does a couple of things. One, it really requires you to focus. It, it, it requires you to shut everything else out and, and pay attention to what, what it takes. It's, the, the club is about the size of a sweet spot on all the other clubs. Mm -hmm. um, and I was taken by how great the feedback was um, right, off the, right off of the club. Now, taking that into the corporate world, um, a lot of C-suite executives like to work on things themselves. Um, they're, they're a little more driven, tend, tend to not maybe ask for help. Um, and I see this tool as something that helps would help them to accelerate the improvement of their skill. Uh, and again, relating it to focus, um, to be able to slow everything down, to be able to create the right sequence of movements and everything like that. Um, I just found this the, the club to be one of the most effective training aids I've ever seen. Do you use it with your own students? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and, and, and the first, uh, you know, usually the, the first reaction is where's the rest of this club? Um, because it's so you, small, yeah, it gets us so small. And, um, you know, when you look out there at all of what is being produced for golfers by the major companies, it's about forgiveness, right? It's about making the club heads bigger. And so you can, I guess, so you can miss them more <laughs> and, and not be quite as penalized. Um, but this takes it and kind of stands it on its head and, and, uh, and makes that makes it much smaller. Uh, I found uh, not only does it help for their ball striking just in in full swings, uh, but a very effective tool around the greens uh, for their short game. Yeah. Fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, that's interesting. I know we're running short on time here, and I wanted to make sure we didn't miss one last particular topic. And that is that we've talked about making conversations from the 19th hole of podcast series. Can you tell us a little bit about the types of topics you might see us delving into uh, if we choose to do that, Dave? Well, yeah, uh, Jim, it, it's always been uh, in the back of my mind since we did the book and we had these interviews with corporate executives who have used the game as uh, part of their, their business strategy and their business lives, that um, one of the things that has not golf hasn't done a good job of 
is showing out there for the public to see um, how important this relationship between business and golf is. And I've, I've always thought that there are, whether it's, it's the conversation that you'll see, you know, on the 18th hole in the tower with the presenting sponsor for the, the PGA Tour event, they always come on and talk about what a great fit it is and how good it is for the community. And, and uh, they're just great. They're, they're happy to be aligned with, uh, with the game and, and all that. Well, I think it goes a lot deeper than that. And that's, that's what I want the conversations from the 19th hole to be about it's it's really delving into um why they use golf what it's meant to their business lives uh and and i think it would give some people some great insight into whether or not they should take the game up for a business strategy fabulous I think that's really interesting. And that those would be some fat, great topics with some interesting guests who've run major companies and found this as one of their greatest investment tools for business development. Yeah. Um, if any of you listening now to our podcast would be interested uh, in the podcast series like that, uh, or would like to touch base with Dave, because you'd like to explore some of the subjects that have come up today, uh, let us know. And the easiest way to do that is to email us at csuite.co. That's C with a hyphen, suite, S-U-I-T-E dot C-O, not com, csuite.co. And your feedback and your ideas are terrific. And we'll put you right in touch with Dave so the two of you can have a conversation. Dave, it's been really fun. I, I thank you so much. You've given us a lot to think about and certainly to embrace. I know there's a whole lot more, and I would encourage your our listeners to pick up a copy of Back on Course uh, by Dave Bisbee. It's really a great book uh, and gives you some tips, practical tips on how to get started in your business with golf as a development tool. Uh, any final words of advice you'd like to offer before we sign off, Dave? Well, like I always say, Jim, business plus golf equals success. Oh, that's good. That's great. <laughs> And that's certainly something I'm trying to do. And I must admit, it's one of the more pleasurable parts of business I've ever encountered. So thank you so much for being with us. Appreciate you having me on. C-Suite Advisors, where CEOs tap into unbiased, deeply experienced wisdom, perspective, and credibility to accelerate their company's performance and growth. To discuss how C-Suite Advisors may help your business in a free 30-minute consultation, Contact us at advisor at csuite.co or call for an appointment at 925-989-1975. Thank you for listening to Into the C-Suite with Jim Casino. Click the following button below to be notified as new episodes become available. 